Welcome back, everybody. We have a news alert now on the coronavirus, and Meg Terrell has the latest. Meg. Tyler, we're getting reports of new cases out of Hubei province, of course, the epicenter of the outbreak in China. They are confirming 2,841 new cases and 81 additional deaths. Now, to put this in context, we are going to get more numbers out of all of China later tonight. Uh, but this is unfortunately turning directions in terms of the um, direction of new cases. They had been declining for two days. And you can see here for broader China, this is a chart made by Stat News showing the last two days the case counts had slowed. Load. Uh, in Hubei province, anyway, that has reversed tonight and picked up again, Tyler, uh, not what public health officials wanted to see. Back to All you. All right, Meg Terrell, thank you very much. And everybody, it is time now for Options Action, and we've got a big show lined up for you. Here's what is on deck. Like the mode in its cars, Tesla's stock has been ludicrous this week. Mike Coe plays a driver's ed instructor to recap where we've been. And help us look both ways before crossing into this one. Then, Carter Worth knows how he wants things. And when he's thirsty for a ketchup trade, there's only one soda he's looking to pop. Plus, if you also appreciate the lift, stock that is, Bono and Ison has an ace of a play to ride shotgun on. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts now. Welcome, everybody, and let's get right to it. We start with the biggest story of the week, and that would be Tesla giving investors whiplash, taking traders on a very, very wild ride. Uh, the stock surged out of the gates to kick off the week, gaining nearly 50 percent over two days and adding more than $42 billion in market cap between Friday's close and Tuesday's peak. But what goes up? often must come down, and Tesla caught a downgrade from Canaccord on Wednesday. That didn't help, and tumbled into Friday's close, down more than 23% from its highs. A bear market, if you want to call it that. All told, the stock finished the week up, however, 15%, and piled on a total of $17 billion in market value. But this is a show about options, and if you think those numbers are eye-popping, Mike Coe is about to make your head spin. He's over at the plasma to break down the insanity with his call to action. Lead us to it, Mike. Sure. You know, it's interesting because, of course, Tesla does have that ludicrous mode, and that's pretty much what we are seeing in the stock and the options this week. First of all, let's just take a look at the volume, which I think was quite extraordinary. 5.3 million contracts traded this week. This is on a stock that ended up closing the week close to $750. 5.3 million contracts, by the way, that represents 530 million shares of a $750 stock. Really, that's quite extraordinary. Some other superlatives, and we can barely uh, keep up with all of these. This is a graph of the weekly 800 strike calls. So if you go back to last week, last Friday, these calls could have been purchased for 25 cents. Monday morning, you could have picked them up, and some people did, for about 80 cents. And actually, by the end of the day, that was the most actively traded option. They traded for an average of about $10. The very next day, those were trading for over $100. So from 25 cents last Friday to over 100 on Tuesday. Today, they expired worthless. This actually highlights a couple things. Buying the stock, obviously, is a really wild ride. Trading the options is also extremely challenging because you can have situations like this. You're up a lot of money, you're down a lot of money very quickly. So price action, ludicrous. The prices of options, similarly ludicrous. Is there a way to actually make a play in Tesla right now 
without going out and buying 100 shares at 750 that's $75,000, or buying some of these really expensive options without laying off some of the risk. I think there is, but here we're going to take a quick look at just how much the price of options has increased. When you get stocks moving around this much, the options prices are going to go up, and you can see that indeed they did. In fact, they're going up with the price of the stock. We can see right here, as the stock shot up, so did the price of these options. So if you buy options with implied volatilities this high, if the same thing happens to those options that happened to the stock, you could see the implied volatility come right back in. So you need to use spreads. So more specifically, what I was taking a look at is a four-legged trade. This is a little bit more complicated than what we normally take a look at. So you need to pay close attention. I was looking at selling, and in fact did this myself today, selling the February 800 850 call spread. So that meant I was selling the February 800 calls, buying the February 850 calls, and then, in addition to that, buying as a hedge the June 800 850 call spread. So I'm buying the June 800s and selling the June 850s. At these prices, that would work out to about $3. I'll just let you know that when I did the trade myself today, I ended up spending about $3.60 to put that trade on. And the idea here is you're going to get a pretty big range of profitability. One of the bets that I'm essentially making, though, is that the stock is going to stay below this is essentially the midpoint of these strikes. So I'm guessing that we had kind of a blow-off top this week. We can let Carter speak to that. The idea is we're trying to look for ways to sell some premium and not spend uh, a lot of premium to uh, basically hedge that. And I think this accomplishes that. You get a big range of profitability if the stock basically lingers right where it is right now or if it drifts even a couple hundred dollars lower. Carter, what do you think? Well, look, maybe, Bob, why don't you address the actual structure of the trade, right, and then I, I can talk to price action. Uh, absolutely. I think what, what Mike's doing makes a lot of sense. What you've got to do is you've got to spread this thing out. With stock prices around $750, $800, peaked up to around $960, you've got to be able to use what is, is at your disposal in order to get exposure to, to the stock, particularly as a retail investor. You can't go out and outlay for a single share $850 and get, and get access to this. So it makes a lot of sense. Define risk. And what I really like about it is that he is long out to June. That gives him the optionality and the ability to trade around this position. So in terms of the price action and what uh, you heard Mike use the phrase blow off, that is the element here, meaning you have an exceptional run in June. This is a $170 stock. It runs to almost 1000 and then gives back a third just in, in one day. And in a way, you've set goalposts, the, the flare-up high of Tuesday and now the give back. You should stay in a range for quite some time, but not exceed that high. That's very unlikely on an intermediate basis. So uh, goalposts, if you will, with, I would say, more downside risk than upside potential. Mike, final thought goes to you. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, a lot of people talk about valuation with Tesla. You know, when we talk about valuation and stock prices, one of the things that's important, this is all about the future. What is the future going to bring? We know that cars are going to be increasingly electric. We know that Tesla has considerable market share right now. If they preserve that market share, maybe you could make a case that this is a $100 billion company. Maybe you could make the case that it should actually be chasing the stock that Carter was recommending, Toyota. Uh, but in the meantime, I think it's pretty fully priced here, and the price action to me definitely suggests that, if anything, there's probably a little bit more downside, but taking naked short positions isn't something I'd recommend. This is the way to get you done. All right. Complicated trade, but makes sense. More options action is on tap. Here's what's coming up next. If you're looking for another pop, too, Carter Worth will be making his way down the aisle now that we're at cruising altitude. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. 
If it's nice, we'll answer it on air. When Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action, everybody. We are gearing up for another big week of earnings, some of which you see right there on that graphic. Coming up, uh, and the chartmaster says one of these names is about to see a pop. He will explain. Carter's at the plasma to break it down for us. Carter. Right, obviously big names. One is reported, one hasn't. Coke is already earnings out of the way and Pepsi. But uh, I want to start with a few comparative charts. We know these are very similar businesses, and these lines in their stock prices would indicate that. There is a two-, three-year chart. Let's go back a little further. Here is a longer-term chart. There's 10 years. I mean, it's like frickin' frack, uh, fraternal twins. Here's a 40-year chart going back to 1980, literally the exact same performance. But now, here is the year-to-date chart. Just for whatever reason, um, Coke uh, is ahead. Pepsi is lagging. In fact, Coke up about 6 and Pepsi almost on 12. I think there's a little bit of an opportunity here, and that is the trade. Let's zero in on the Pepsi chart itself. No drawings or annotations by me. Let's put in a line first. And what we have is a fairly well-defined uptrend line, and it has responded, 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 responded to that line. Let's put the upper line in. It's in a well-defined channel. And so just the thinking is, is that we're going to move towards the top of the channel, move towards the top, move towards the top, and that we have upside. Coke popped on its earnings, and I'm thinking that Pepsi will do the same a little bit of a catch-up trade. All right. Let's uh, take a look at uh, th this trade. And, and what is your trade on this, Mike? Yeah, so this is an interesting situation. Here we have the markets. I mean, obviously, we had some softness today. But, you know, the markets are essentially at their all-time highs. Pepsi is at its all-time highs. That's essentially where it closed today. Uh, so it's really tough to go out and reach for stocks that not only are trading at their all-time highs, trading above their historic uh, valuation multiples, which this stock is, Going into an event, we don't know whether it's going to be good or bad, but obviously one of the things we want to take a look at is whether the options market is giving us an opportunity to make an inexpensive bet while mitigating our risk. This is a stock, by the way, that's up about 10 bucks in just one month. I was looking at the April 145 calls, which are very slightly in the money. Those are $3.75. And I want you to think about that for a second. That's less than 3% of the current stock price to make a bullish bet that goes all the way out until April. Now, if you recognize that there's a decent chance that the stock could move maybe 10 bucks anyway, you know, 7 8% we could call it, over the course of the next 60 to 90 days. I think that's probably the type of range that yep. you're looking at. That is also basically the order of magnitude of the types of moves we've been seeing. We can see that optionality here is very cheap, and I think we're being presented with an opportunity going into an obvious catalyst to make a bullish bet with relatively little risk. And the other thing I would say is that because there is some time to go until expiration after earnings, you're not going to get quite the same kind of vol suck out of these if the stock ends up trading sideways. So the, the risk in that case is also fairly low. I think the way to do that is a very simple trade here. And then while it is at an all-time high, as is the case with so many stocks with the market, it's not extended in relation to where it's been. If you look at a moving average, so pick your moving average, the market, the S&P, is much further above its average price over 50 days or 100 days than Pepsi is. And so in that sense, yes, an all-time high, but not stretched. Bonwin, you got a thought on this uh, trade? Uh, yeah, particularly as you juxtapose this to the last trade that, that Mike suggested here. Options are cheap. Again, you're spending a fraction in terms of premium of the stock price. Why cap your gains here? Be very discerning in terms of when to, when to cap and spread your trades and when to go on ahead and put a little money on the table and bet outright. 
perfect example of that. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. You know, if you were looking to spread this, you know, why wouldn't you use a call spread? Because if you're selling out of the money calls in Pepsi, implied volatility is so low, you're going to get almost nothing for them. Mm -hmm. Why not wait until you see whether you got to move one way or the other and then basically use these to trade against? And you're, again, risking 3% of the current stock price, which is, by the way, probably less than you'd be risking if you went out and bought the shares yeah, themselves. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to stick with earnings and uh, ones that are coming up next week. Shares of Uber up more than 9% today after the ride-hailing service uh, said on its earnings conference call last night that it could be EBITDA profitable as soon as this year. That's cash flow profitable, if you don't want to like, don't like those uh, acronyms. Shares of the rival Lyft catching a bid off that news. Lyft reports results next week. And if you're betting that stock will take off when it reports, one of our traders has a way for you to play it. Bonwin, break it down. Uh, thank you. So, um, yes, on the back of uh, Uber earnings, it definitely seems like the bulls have come out and come out to play in a major way. If you look at... Um, Option volume calls versus puts the last week. It's been about two to one this today post uber earnings three to one So we're expecting, uh, you know a move to the upside in real volume here um, If you take a look at the at the money straddle out to February expiry 21st of uh, February to be exact that's implying about 11% move which is on the high side granted There isn't a lot of history on this company yet being that it just IPO last year, but the average move is about six and a half percent. The highest is just south of 11. Uh, taking it a step further and looking at the implied volatility of options, the cost of options, quite, quite simply, you can see that those are around the 70, 75th percentile. So again, it's a situation, and we've had two previous examples where you might want to either look at outright or spreading this trade. Given that vols are so elevated, I would suggest spreading the trade so that you're just not outright putting money on the table. Um, specifically, what I like doing is a trade, which is out to February, buying the 50-55 call spread. That'll cost you about, uh, about $1.60. You're going to buy that 50-strike call, which is at the money, at about $2.40. Against that, you're going to sell the 55-strike at about $0.80. Cents. So again, net-net, your, your cash outlay is $1.60, putting your break even about 3% north of where the stock is currently. What I really like about this trade is that you're buying options but you're selling this elevated implied move. $55 is about 11% higher than current stock price. And if you consider that the stock is up about 5% in tandem with Uber, you're selling about a 16% move. Mike? Yeah, this is, I definitely think that it makes sense to do that. I mean, one way to think about when you're trading verticals, whether you're getting a sufficient amount of premium for the strike that you're selling, he's collecting a third of the premium that he's spending on the strike that he's buying, and he has 10% worth of upside in the stock. It's a very different situation than what we were talking about with Pepsi, where you would basically be spending the same amount for a, you know, a $5 spread on a $150 stock. So when you're going into situations Options premiums are elevated. That's when you look to spread. When you're going into situations and options premiums are low, that's when you don't. This give you a lift? It does. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, a little bit like the Coke and Pepsi, you know, you've just heard from Uber. The thinking is that this will uh, go the same way. Obviously, a disaster since the IPO, we know, in March, uh, late March. And it has all the elements of something that's bottoming, curing, cur curling up. I like it a lot. Bonwin, you get the last word because uh, you yeah, were the I, one who presented. I, I will add that if you look at, at Lyft's core business, they're a lot more focused on profitable business. They don't have the Uber Eats. They don't have a lot of these tertiary businesses. They're focused on ride share and ride hailing. And I think that's a real winner. 
All right, gentlemen, thanks. We're going to uh, continue here in just a minute by answering your smoldering options questions. Send them over to our Twitter handle. You see it below, and you just might get your answer on air. Plus, is the Disney ride over? One trader updates his bet on the house of the mouse. His sneakers on the ground in Orlando. We're live from the NASDAQ market site. Don't go anywhere. Much more options action right after this. And welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Uh, last week, Tony Zhang uh, made a bet on some earnings magic from Disney. If we look at options here, um, one of the concerns that I have here is the fact that I'm looking for an upside move fairly quickly. So normally I'd like to use a call option to place this type of trade. However, if you look at the implied volatility of options for Disney, it's very high. I'm looking at a fairly simple structure here using a call vertical, trading a 135-150 March call vertical, paying about $6.90 for the March 135 calls, and then collecting about $1.60 on that March 150 calls. Well, Disney is up about 2% since then, and as of now, Tony's trade is in the green. He couldn't join us tonight, but he was kind enough to send us a postcard from the road. He writes, I'm in sunny Orlando right now, outside of Disney World. Good for him. Despite strong Disney Plus growth, price action after earnings has not been compelling. It is time to take your profits. Cheers from Mickey and the gang. Mike, do you agree that it is time to get out of this one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, when you have a situation like this where you get a, a quick pop and then it gives it all back and then some right away, uh, that's an important cue that if you had a bullish view, you might want to rethink that. And so I think he's very wise here. And by the way, some people who follow this trade may have actually already done this. Yeah, and I mean, taken it was their a profits. huge. I mean, think about 138 a week ago when we were sitting here Friday, hit 147. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity, and it just happened to sort of fade post earnings. Bonwin, any thoughts on this? Not a lot to add. I will say a, a small win is a win nonetheless, and I think it's very prudent for him to take his money, continue and invest in another profitable trade idea. Reap and like sow. All right, meanwhile, uh, Mr. Coe and Carter teamed up to uh, take a swing at the consumer stocks. The thought is that, right, that consumer discretion is outperforming. But if you do it equal weight, it's, you're actually underperforming the market. And that's the real subject. So uh, moving forward, another way to look at it. The sector has ascended, but its relative performance is descending. You go out to June. The 125 puts were trading for about $4.35 when I was looking at this earlier today. And like I said, you can buy this against a long portfolio. You can spend it as basically a speculative bet to the short side if you chose to do so. All right, the consumer discretionary ETF has fared pretty well this week against market headwinds. So, Mike, are you managing this one, or how are you managing it? Well, first of all, we have all the way out till June. And, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, I actually bought a couple more put spreads middle of the day today. So, obviously, I am sticking with this one. Very much so. It's uh, time's on our side. And also, ex-Amazon, that's a part of the premise here, that Amazon is, is one thing, and we like that long. But... All of the stocks that make up the consumer, autos in particular and mm -hmm. other things, mm -hmm. retailers, not good. Bonwin? Yeah, if you look at the last um, economic data, last GDP data, that was really led by trade balance as opposed to core spending. Speaking about the consumer, whether there will be weakness, if there is weakness, it's going to come in discretionary. I like the trade. Very, right. very logical, very fundamental trade. And like today, uh, the jobs report was good. Incomes were up. That augurs well for the consumer. Well, the thing is here is that all of the news has been good, right? Yep. So and that's why it's doing so well. It takes a crack yep. in any of that to see some weakness, and that's what I'm anticipating. All righty. Up next, your tweets and our final calls.
little bit of news uh, to tell you about on a Friday evening. Bill Ackman, the uh, activist, in, activist investor, is selling a substantial portion of a stake in Chipotle, 73,000 shares uh, to be precise, at $859 a share. That stock has been doing very well lately. Any reactions uh, on the desk to that? I mean, Chipotle is a big round trip over about eight years, and, yep. and here it sits, and I don't think it's anything actionable. Any thoughts there? Uh, I would be inclined to sell it for some of the reasons we were just articulating, actually, on just consumer discretionary in general. So uh, I think it was wise of them to unload All that. All right. we got about a minute left to do our final trade. Should we do that? Let's do it. Let's start it. Go ahead. Well, Pepsi has earnings. Pepsi. You have a catalyst, and I like it long. I likes it long. And Mike, you go next. Yeah, so, you know, Pepsi options are very inexpensive. So going into a catalyst, looking at the April call, at the money calls, I think are an inexpensive way to make a bullish bet. And look, if you're looking to play Tesla and it's awfully tempting to do so, you need to use some spreads like the calendar call spreads that we were just talking about because the options are indeed so expensive right now. Go back and check that one out. Bonwin, what's your last thought here? I like the XLY trade. I like the XLY trade. XLY, all yes. right. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Good, good week, guys. Thank you very much. And that will do it for us here on Options Action. We will be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Uh, tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, Outbreak, the Coronavirus. Our special will air. There are more cases in Hubei and more deaths there. Uh, and so we will be covering that for you at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere because you know what happens now. A little madness will descend. Mad Money begins with Jim Cramer right about now.